Acts chapter 9, if you could flip there, we're going to talk about a gentleman by the name of Ananias and his influence on the life of Saul, who eventually became the Apostle Paul. The message title today is Swerve of History, and our text is Acts 9, verses 10 through 19. You're going to have to excuse me a little bit. I mean, I woke up today, I just kind of felt really sick and tired. Like, I had no strength in my legs, and so I'm wearing my jacket. I didn't want to steam me out of the room, and so instead of putting up the heat in the room, I just decided to put on a jacket. So, excuse me for that. Okay, Acts 9, verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He said, Behold, here, I, here am I, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. And if you remember the text from before, Saul was blinded on that Damascus road by a a vision from Jesus. And uh, he was three days blind and did not eat or drink in Damascus. And so um, Paul is praying and he has seen in this vision. In verse 13, But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call upon your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias departed and entered the house. And after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he arose and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. Amen. This passage of Scripture I've actually preached on before under a different title and slightly from a different angle. And as I talk about the life of Ananias and ultimately the influence that he had, uh, I want to talk about in history how we see these ebbs and flows. I mean, history is, is not... I mean, linear in time, of course, but when you think about influence, when you think about movements, when you think about excitement, when you think about things that really push the envelope, it seems as though as you can look at your own life, and it wasn't just flatlining, dead, right? But that there was some peaks and valleys to it, that there were moments of exhilaration and there were moments of sorrow. There were moments of progress and there were moments of regress, And just like our lives on a micro scale, on a macro one, you can look at human history and you can see that there is ebb and flow, that there is the ups and the downs, the peaks and the valleys. But what you'll find, as with our lives also in history, that it's not like this even kind of thing all the time, that every so often you find that a peak really goes forward and at the crest of that wave you find an influential person. 
You find a mover, a shaker, a champion of history, someone who is talked about in the books, in the annals of history, someone who is remembered, has a holiday named after him or her. There are moments in history where a person stands tall above the rest. Paul was such a figure in my eyes, right? You look at the New Testament church writing well over half of it, and uh, the New Testament, and you see an individual like that who's standing on a crest of history with so much influence, with so much power in his words and presence and voice. Paul was such an individual. And an honest look at history would, would, would reveal, I think, to the average person that we remember the, the crests, don't we? We remember the people on the, on the peaks. I mean, if you think about it, we remember uh, the champions uh, of their respective sports. Not those who came in second or third, let alone last. We remember uh, celebrities. We think about them, not their agents or their producers. We think about CEOs, not their assistants, secretaries, or company boards. We think about Paul, not Ananias. And this message actually is about taking a glance at the people at the bottom of the swell. It's about looking at the individuals who are the precursors, the instigators to the change agents. right? And so the change agent was Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. But what we want to talk about today is the instigator of the change agent. So the one who made change in the person who made change. And Ananias is a fascinating individual. There's not much written about him in Scripture. I mean, what we read in our passage today, I mean, that's pretty much what you you get for Ananias in Scripture. But such a fascinating individual. Didn't take up many verses in our text in the New Testament uh, Scriptures. But when you think about the impact of this man's life, it is off the charts. Why? Because Saul's life was off the charts. I look at... Paul, and I think of somebody modern day, maybe like Billy Graham. Somebody who's really kind of influenced presidents and movements and, and spoken to millions of people in his generation and lifetime. But even somebody like Pastor Graham had a middle school Bible study teacher. Somebody who molded and mentored him in a small way in the beginning stages of the form, for, formulation of his identity, ideology, faith. That we all can understand that. That who we are today is not because of our own bravado or strength or our own achievements, but that together coupled with all of the the tributaries of influence, all of the people. I mean, I think about my fifth grade year and I think about my teacher. I moved away out of my, my city that particular year and I remember getting an envelope in the mail in my sixth grade year and it was from all of my friends the previous year and they had wrote on those old dot matrix printers, you know, and they had, you know, we miss you, they called me Bobby, right? Miss you Bobby and they all signed their name on that and I kept that little paper for decades. It's, pro- it's still in a box in my garage, right? And so when I think about the impact of that thing, I don't even remember her name right now, my teacher's name, but I still remember the feeling of concern, the love that I felt. And that has impacted me in the way that I also desire to communicate love to the people in my life. 
And so there are these tributaries that really formulate how we think, that really uh, encourage us along a certain path or, or make us the individuals that we are. And we must recognize all of that. But again, the average person's look at history just sees the, the peaks, right? We see the ones who won the championship, the one who's in the head of the company, the one who, whose name headlines the marquee. We, we, we see those individuals. But today I want to take a look at the life of Ananias, a precursor. And in my eyes, a divine footnote. I mean, y'all read a book, right? And there's footnotes and, you know, like things that happen. And the author didn't deem it necessary to include all of the information of that in the text. And so you just put a little number there and you make a footnote of it, right? And so for those who are interested, please reference that type thing. And Ananias, in a sense, can be considered a footnote to Saul's life, you know? Oh, oh, what happened when you were converted? Saul, oh, there was a guy who prayed for me. I don't yet remember. Oh, he was Ananias. He could be a footnote in Saul's life, but I like to call it more like a divine footnote. Something that is overlooked by the majority of people, but is such an integral thing, person in history that has really made an influence that has gone unseen, unsung for generations. And I see Ananias just like that. I'm going to communicate a couple of things. First is this. My actions contribute to a greater work. And I think we all can understand and accept this as a truth statement, can't we? That what I do, my action... It is a part of, whether I call it an assembly line, a progression, a process, that I influence this thing that's happening in history. That just by being alive and breathing and going to work, I'm disrupting my environment, right? I I have an influence over friends and family that just by literally living and breathing and moving about my life, I cause a ripple effect wherever I go, big or small. It's called influence. We all have it, right? So my actions contribute to a greater work. And so the things that I do, now at times at work, we can get so caught up in the minute responsibilities that are in front of us and we can get overwhelmed with that. But when we step back for a second and we kind of broaden that that lens, we begin to see, wait, this action is a part of this team. This team is a part of this project. This project is a part of this scope. And this scope is affecting this company or this generation in such a way. Right? And so, uh, no matter how small the, the action or influence, it affects the entire process. Uh, years ago, I was thinking about something. You know, I, I like to think in pictures sometime, and, and I, I imagine just a, a young child in this remote cove on this, this, this picturesque landscape. And just saying, Mom, Dad, you know, I'm going to go out and play on, on, on the sand for a second. And he's taking his little pail and shovel. And I can imagine him just, you know, on this warm day, just wading in, wading into the waters. And with his bucket, he scoops out a pail full of water. And in that moment, do you know what just happened? The entire ocean moved. It wasn't by much. But in order to fill that vacuum, that space that his pail took up, everything else had to adjust. That, when you think about our lives, the the small things that I do, the, the small acts of faithfulness, of obedience, that all of those things might feel as though I'm, no one sees me, 
I'm in this remote space and I'm just playing with my own bucket of water. No one sees what I'm doing and it does not seem to have any influence whatsoever. But these small actions of my life result in a movement, however minuscule, but it still pushes the needle. That my actions contribute to a greater work. We are all living beings capable of shifting our surroundings. I don't know if you've ever heard of this story. It had uh, a lot of notoriety and it got a lot of coverage some years ago. And it was of a pizza shop. And this pizza shop was located in Philadelphia. It's called Rosa's Fresh Pizza. Have any of you ever heard of that story? A few, it got a lot of wind um, about two years ago. Okay. Um, well, there was a gentleman who was working on Wall Street. And he got kind of tired of his job. In, in his own words, he plateaued. And he decided to take the dollar pizza of Manhattan to his hometown of Philadelphia. And so he went back home and opened up a dollar pizza shop. And because the price was so affordable, a lot of homeless folks ended up coming to his establishment. Right? And only a few months into operation, he opened up this shop in December of 2013. And it'll come up. I'm going to show you a couple of clips. In March of 2014, just a few months into operation, a customer comes in and says, I know you serve a lot of homeless folks. I'd like to give you a dollar and pay for the next one that comes in. That is kind of the, the, the idea. And let me show you a couple of clips here. This is from The Ellen Show. Huh? Why is it not playing? Can you go back to that one slide? I don't know why. It should play automatic. Go, go back one slide, Hans. There we go. Nope. I, I tested it right before. It was working. There you go. No? Well, in the age of technology, technical difficulties. I know. Uh, I, Google it, okay? <laughs> Rosa's Fresh Pizza. This video will definitely come out. He appeared on the Ellen Show less than a year into, a uh, little over a year into operations. And this just exploded. I mean, up until this point, I think they gave away like 8,000 slices of pizza. And after the show, it went into the tens of thousands. And last I checked, I mean, I mean, in an interview, I think a year ago, it was like 60 or 70,000. And so they're probably well into the 100,000 uh, pizzas that they've given away at this particular shop. And to me, this story is fascinating. Um, this guy, you know, his name is Mason, Wart uh, Mason Wartman. And, you know, he's tw he was, I think, 26 or 27 when he started the shop. You know, he has a good personality, likable guy. And, uh, you know, he's recounting and he's thinking about all of these news outlets that are now asked, begging for a story from him and, and all that stuff. And in almost every single interview he, he gives, he refers back, and he can't even name the guy. He talks about that one customer who came in March 2014 who said, uh, can I 
pay a dollar for the next homeless guy that comes in. And what ended up happening was, in order to remind himself that there was an outstanding slice of pizza paid for, he went and he wrote it on a post-it note and he stuck it on the wall. A customer saw that, picked up on it, and it began to catch wind a little bit. Right? It began to catch. And then soon, more and more people were giving a dollar and writing a message on a post-it note and sticking it on a wall. And then a homeless person can come in, take a post-it off of the wall, and hand it in for payment. And it's basically a payment from the wall. Right? And this gained so much traction where they now, on their website, you can pay this, right? and you can stick up a note on their wall. And again, thousands and thousands and thousands of slices, mouths, were fed through this, you know, pizza shop. And a phenomenal thing. I mean, in the interview, I wish you, I mean, go again, search for it. In, you know, these particular cl- news clips, what comes out is some of the testimony from not just like customers, but also uh, the folks that are affected by that. You know, they get that slice. You know, they're, they're really looking forward to that, that slice. Every single day they can count on a, on a fresh, hot slice of pizza. And some of those folks came off of the streets and ended up working at Rosa's. Other folks leave messages talking about how they were blessed. And I'll show you one little letter. I just want to thank everyone that donated to Rosa's. It gave me a place to eat every day and the opportunity to get back on my feet. I start a new job tomorrow. Everybody wants the world to change. But in order for that to happen, we have to change ourselves. And Rosa's is a great idea, an example of that. This is just one small note out of many that have flooded this particular pizza shop. And I reference this story of Rosa's because I think it really falls in line with what I'm trying to convey to you today. I mean, the second major thing is that small actions can cause seismic shifts. I I believe this without, without a doubt. That the smallest of actions can create such a shift in the environment that it is unbelievable. It doesn't seem like it's correlated. That how can that little tiny action, individual or thing, cause such a, a big result? How can it create so much fruit? But it can happen from small things. And I say that in reference to Rosa's because one unknown customer who gave one dollar started this massive movement of hundreds of thousands of mouths being fed. How is that possible? And when you cover this story, everybody looks and they send messages to, to this guy, right? To Mason Wortman, you know, on the Facebook page of, the, of Rose's Pizza Shop, of, of all of these news outs. They're interviewing this guy, Mason, saying, you know, how did you do? What a great idea. Because many businesses were influenced by this model. Right? Many mouths were fed, families were shifted, but other businesses started to take on that. And so the influence of Rosa's was beyond the customer or the person that got a slice of food, but it really trickled into greater, more powerful, larger spheres of life. And it all really started from one dollar from a guy that you can't even name. I tried to dig it up. I wanted to find this guy's name to recognize him, right? Or whoever it was, he or she. I wanted to recognize this customer that gave that one dollar that started this entire thing. But I couldn't find it. And so we remember the, 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 the Mason Wartman that's on the crest of this wave, this peak, this, this mountaintop, and say, yeah, you're doing a great job. Thousands of people are being fed just because of you. But you cannot think of Mason Wartman without 
thinking about this unknown customer and his or her dollar. I hope that sinks in with you today. That cataclysmic change, seismic shifts in history, yes, they will have their spokespeople. They will have their faces on the screen. They will, they will trend on the internet. You know, social media will go crazy for these movers and shakers and champions, the ones who are eloquent and have the story and the position and all of the rest. But there is always, there is always somebody who represents this dollar. Now there are times in our lives where we will be the ones that sit on top of a crest. But there are also times where we must be faithful to be that little star at the bottom swell. To be an Ananias. Because if you think about it, if you go back to the passage here, this guy was deathly afraid. And rightly so. Saul had letters in hand, warrants in hand, saying, I will arrest anybody that I see, man, woman, or child, and I'm going to take you to prison, and you will be prosecuted, persecuted. And I mentioned to you before, last week, about that documentary in Syria, of how when there is a power in, in place, and they want to quell an uprising that is going against them, and they have the ability... And they have a desire to want to quench that through any means possible. Human brutality surfaces in a way that is so ugly. And we see that here in the book of Acts as well. That this is not a pretty picture. Saul having letters to just go and arrest people because he didn't agree with what they believed in. But this is the case. And so Ananias, after hearing this vision from God, go to Saul, he's in this place. He says, wait a minute, is that, that's the same guy I heard about. There's a lot being said about him. He's in town because he wants to cause some trouble. I don't want to get in his crosshairs. I don't want to get in his way, he's thinking. i got a family. I don't want to go to jail. But then God presses the issue. He says, I need you to go. Because I've given him a vision of a person by the name of Ananias coming to pray for him. And I want to make an impression on him because he's an instrument of mine. And I want him to know unequivocally that I am God, that I have a plan for his life, and that he will do a remarkable work for me. And in order for that, you're an integral first piece. You got the name Ananias. I'm speaking to you now. He's waiting for you. And in that, he overcomes his fear. Not to the sense that he didn't fear anymore, but at least he allowed faith to grow higher than his fear. And he goes to that house on the straight street and he approaches Saul and he says, Jesus sent me to you. Lays his hands on him. He prays for him. Scales fall from his eyes. And this is a monumental shift in Saul's life. He was blinded three days ago. Didn't eat or drink. He's contemplating all of the things that he heard from Jesus on on that road from Damascus. And now, the first thing he sees is a man that he saw in a vision during his time of prayer in those three dark days. And it was a confirmation of God's plan. Ananias shifted history because of his faithfulness to overcome his fear and to allow faith to kick in and to be faithful for that small little responsibility of just going and praying for somebody. That's it. That's all he did. He just prayed for somebody. He just showed up with the name Ananias on his badge. That's it, right? And that faithful act alone 
was such an enormous precursor, instigator to cataclysmic change. And I believe you and I are in those spaces every single day of our lives. I end. I end with this two statements. Be faithful in the moment with the opportunity that is presented. And I think this is how change happens. This is how seismic shifts happen. That when an individual is faithful in the moment with whatever opportunity that is presented. And so the last thing that I share with you as Praise Team comes back is overcome fear and take risks in your service to God. That as you think about how you want, how you can, and how you will serve our great God, don't allow fear to dictate what you do. Overcome those fears and learn the benefit and power of taking risks for the Lord. Let's not be Christians that play it safe all the time and only do what's comfortable and can be calculated as safe. But let us know that God calls us to do things in our faithfulness in those moments of overcoming fear and taking those risks will cause change that will shift history. We can be that swerve to history. Amen? Amen.